And you are listening to the Punk Theology Podcast. This is episode 37. I'm your host, Russia. little feedback there. Uh, because that's our brand, man. <laughs> We're a little punk rock over here. Wait, is there such a thing as being anti-brand? Uh, everyone's got a brand, but is punk a brand? There's a question throwing out that. It's, it's close to home, man. It just does. Uh, we have a guest today on Punk Theology, Kyle Reynolds, uh, on the podcast. We talk a little bit about that from the sweat and smoke and mess of this conversation. A question arises as we shed our urges to get into image keeping is a natural side effect of working out the muscle of generosity growing in empathy towards the other who may not fit the demographic of the ideology that surrounds the brand we're trying to sell. What if this isn't just a conversation about uh, generosity and philanthropy, but consciousness as well? Kyle is a, another religious professional. Now, I know, I know, just wait, that may trigger some of you. Um, but the reason I'm having Kyle on is, you know, there's a lot of podcasts like this one that tend to critique and cut down and pick apart religion. And, and believe me, listen, I get it. Religion has done a ton of damage. All right. And here in my country, Christianity, you know, here in the Seattle area, you mentioned that you're a Christian. People get the wrong idea. Right. Or they get the right idea, which is even worse. But this guy, Kyle, um, I wanted to point out some of the stuff that religion and, and Christianity is, is doing right, because Kyle's uh, part of an organization called the Union Gospel Mission. And for all of their quirks and conservativeness, right, like every organization has them, um, these guys are doing good in the world. And not just doing good for the sake of their own agenda, but doing good for the sake of humans. Because, listen, there's a lot of organizations out there that are after your and my money, all right? And there really is a real problem out there but the more money they generate and the more money they create the problem gets worse and you just gotta say what is going on and it's refreshing to hear from guys like Kyle or like something must break And I'm so shocked if there's any actual suffering that enters into my life that's valid, right? Like, yeah. I'm like, where is God? It's because I've never had to, like, I've been swimming in the pissy shallow end for so long, you know, that once I get thrown into the deep end, I have no idea how to swim. I think it's inevitable if you put someone, either they face their own pain and suffering and, and trauma, or they encounter the trauma and suffering of another, it is inevitable that you are going to ask that question of like, hey, this doesn't work. Yeah, and then you start deconstructing, and it and it can be super. For me, it was extremely 
uh, jarring and scary, terrifying, to look at this room full of furniture and recognize I had inherited this room and I don't know if this furniture belongs in here anymore. So I'll start moving it around and and I'll start like recognizing you mean no one's gonna like shun me if I just throw this couch out because it doesn't make <laughs> sense in this room anymore, you know? Yeah. And maybe that chair goes better by the window and just to start rearranging things a little bit. And it's uh, so it's been really special to walk with the interns through that. Because they've been sold the idea that doubt and questions are opposed to faith, right? Right. That somehow those are um that you need to be a real Christian, which yeah. just basically means to like suppress those things, right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. can be more outwardly shallow, <laughs> right? Yeah. And more unprepared for actual trauma and, and struggle of life. I'm a member of a growing populace. We enforce our popularity. There are things that take the poor us up the land. There are things that drag us down. But there's a power and a vital presence. It's working all around. We got the American Jesus. See him on the interstate. We got the American Jesus. He outbuilt the president's estate. Kyle Reynolds, I wanted to introduce you to Punk Theology, the listeners of uh, this here podcast. Uh, Kyle uh, heads up an organization called Serve Seattle. And introduce yourself a little. Uh, Kyle, you married, family? Yeah. I've been married for 14 years to a sassy girl named Laura. She works for a dot-com in Seattle. We both work full-time. Um, and got two boys, Lincoln's nine Sawyer Six. Um, I've been at Search Seattle, Seattle's Union Gospel Mission for four years. Before that, I was a full-time vocational pastor in local churches for like 14 okay. years. So this is like... So a vocational a pastor, is that like a denominational thing? Yeah, like a... like I did it for a job. Okay, right. right. I, I attended church on Sunday for a job. Right, <laughs> which was tough to shake, honestly. Like it was, yeah. that's a whole nother. But yeah, so that uh, I got my, I went to grad school, and now I'm going back like an idiot to get my doctorate. Um, in what? Uh, doctorate in ministry and cross cultural engagement. So I'm like fascinated by. I think that's what the church is going to have to figure out that we've really done a terrible job of figuring out is just navigating contemporary cultural issues, everything from LGBT plus to. Uh, environmental justice to um, multi-faith discourse. Yeah, um, the world's got smaller, hasn't it? Yeah, and so yeah, we, yeah. we we cannot afford to just. Well, like we we're talking before we hit record, like just the. Are you going to build that Jenga set? <laughs> <laughs> I just grabbed the Jenga set to put the the microphone on to get us a little higher. This will give us better better sound quality. Top anyway, notch recording. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle's talking, and I'm reaching for a box of Jenga blocks, which is not unlike my character being a bit ADHD in myself. Anyway, go on. I'm so yeah, that's it. Just uh, I'm fascinated by what that's going to look like in the future. I think there's going to be some. I think the church, capital C. In America is up for a, a massive, massive shift. You know, that kind of reformation that mm -hmm. happens every five hundred years or so. Yeah. We're due, mm. and um, for a variety of reasons. Like, gosh, there's all been all kinds of studies on it. Like everything from, you know, the last reformation happened when there was this huge upsurge of new technology, right? So, like a new, um, 
the, the printing press, right? Right. And it's like, oh, have we had a new technology that's helped us communicate better? Yes, we have. Yeah. You know, the internet. So, like, all these factors have aligned to look and resemble very similar to what the Reformation happened 500 years ago, and I think that's happening again. Right. And I'm, I want to be a part of that. I want to reimagine what the church could look like in the future because it's not working right now. Yeah. Like, everyone's acting like they just keep repackaging it. And yeah, it's, and it's rebranding. And it, that's a thing. Yeah. I've actually wrote a well, blog branding post. in general. So hold, that's its own problem. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote a blog post on that. That'll be up soon on the branding of the spiritual stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was a big uh, motivation to start this podcast too. Was when my mom passed, and she just her struggles with the brand mm-hmm. <laughs> over yeah. the years, the different forms of Jesus that are out there that were sold. You know, and. It had me thinking about, like, I, don't tell me what you believe. You know, show me what you really believe, because we we do that in our lives and how it pours out. Like that's what we really actually believe, mm-hmm. more than what we post outside on a, a church sign or how we brand it or or denominations in general are kind of a, a symbol of this problem that mm-hmm. we have, which is division. I mean, the word denomination means mm-hmm. to divide, right? So yeah, it's really interesting that you're you're studying the the cross cultural. Uh, well, as a pastor, that's not something that a lot of pastors. And I think inherent in the idea of a brand is that I can do it better than you. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to try to do the same thing but different and right. tweak it a little bit and be more edgy or whatever it is. But I think or all that's, that that is inherently divisive. Like the yeah, you know, and, and what happened just to join what was already happening and humbling. That uh, there's a whole element to Christian gentrification that goes along with with branding. This incessant need to like call ourselves something. Yeah. What, what, why can't we just... What, what happened just... Nichify caring, it. Let's yeah, caring for it. someone just for the sake of caring for someone. Yeah. Like the... the you know, the I, I, I've been that guy that that dressed up all his youth group kids in the same shirt with the same brand logo and we went out to some impoverished house and we helped with the landscaping all with our same logo on. Right. And we were communicating through our brand, whether we liked you or not, to this lady that, look, we did something nice for you, so you should come to our church. <laughs> right. But I'm also communicating to you that you don't actually deserve love just for the sake of the fact you're a human being. Yeah. Like, I've commodified you. I've turned you into a means to an end. Right. And you're only good if you give something back to me. But if the ROI is not strong, then it's not worth my time. And right, all of right. that is is baked into the essence of the brand. Sorry, you just totally touched on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just, I know. Right? I just gotten tired. I'm tired of like logos and how did this movement that like turned into a carpenter just quietly dying on a cross on some hill somewhere? I mean, like, how did that turn into this like marketing ploy thing? Yeah, I don't know if we were intending to talk about that, but you just brought it up, so it's your fault. Right? <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. That's what we're. This is, I have more conversations than I do interviews. Yes, I have questions. Yes, I'm an interviewer, or and you're the interviewee. But I, don't, I hate that. So I've just I've done so. I'm much too of ADHD that. to have an interview. <laughs> <laughs> You've done so much of what? Uh, just the brand. Of oh yeah, I know. Trying to think that I got it figured out, and I and I don't, and I'm trying to. I'm tired of pretending like I do. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of people are. I think that's part of why people are turned off by church. Just what you said about the, you know, the the youth kids and the the shirts and the we're here, you know, because we're doing a good thing, but there's strings attached, right? Mm-hmm. It reeks of agenda. 
you know, and, and people can, people can smell agenda mm -hmm. and then they don't trust like, okay, you guys do your thing or <laughs> I'm reminded of that, that South Park <laughs> episode, obviously the South Park episode where, you know, all the Christians show up with the hungry kids. Well, we got Bibles and they're like, yeah. oh yeah, you got Bibles. We'll pull out the stuff. Where's the food? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. like we don't. The Bible's okay, great, but we need the food, so we'll do the thing and dress in the thing and sing the song. Yeah, we'll agree with you just so you can help, help <laughs> us because we're starving over here. Right, and the reason that's funny is because it's exposing that brand that yep. you're talking about. So true, man. Um, so what does Serve Seattle do? Yeah, speaking uh, of brands. Speaking of brands. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what you guys do is good. I mean, oh, we do it better than really... everyone else, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something to that. The reason that Seattle Union Gospel Mission mm. is... Because this is, this city is not super friendly to religious people and, and Christians especially. Yeah. But when it comes to the news on things like the homeless mm -hmm. and the opiate epidemic... And, and stuff like that, man. You are the go-to folks in this city when it comes to data and information and who's actually serving mm -hmm. those folks in the city. And I think that's really important, you know. I've been, uh, as an ex-addict myself, yeah. I was homeless for about two weeks. And I just, I just stayed out there doing dope. And I wasn't sure if my mom really gave a shit. I know she did. And she was worried about me. But... How worried about me was she, you know? And, and after the, the haze of, you know, doing methamphetamine, um, crack cocaine, and living on the streets in really shitty places, sometimes just on the streets, literally. Um, I slept in a... Out in Snohomish, I found this place that sold mobile homes, and I got a knife and cut it open and, and slept in there hmm. a few nights without them noticing. Stuff like that. Uh, hitchhiking around at, at 17... Um, wow. so I, I, I know that world. I lived two weeks on the streets, which was long enough for me to go, oh, that's fucking horrible. Mm -hmm. And to have some compassion for those folks. And, and you guys are doing it. Like you're not just talking about it and not just feeling bad about it, but you're doing it. And I think that that deserves some praise and <laughs> encouragement about your brand. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess, yeah, it's, um, we take a high relational approach like that's the foremost important part that's a priority uh, homelessness isn't a resource issue it's a relationship issue that's our yeah. president always is telling us and i really believe that um we're talking about that addiction everything you know everything you thought you know about addiction is wrong yeah right like yeah. you can youtube that and it, it alludes to that quite a bit um, Let me unpack that just a little bit yeah there's a guy a uh, neuroscientist up in vancouver uh who wrote a book called in the realm of hungry ghosts and there was another guy in uh, in Europe who wrote another book that uh, bounced off off some of this okay. this neuroscience uh, it, called the Naked Brain. And both of these guys are saying things like, "Let's throw out this word addiction altogether and start using words like uh, bonding, mm -hmm. you know, and connection." Because so Rat City is is the yeah. the study that you're talking about. Um, everything yeah, the, there's a TED talk. A guy says everything you know about addiction. There's is an wrong. animated like five minute thing that he the, makes, yeah, makes yeah. it smaller because we're our attention span. <laughs> exactly, the it's animated great, thing is great too. Mm -hmm. And Rat City was this experiment where they took so in the 70s they took a rat, you know, white rat, a little 10 gallon aquarium, heroin water and water water, and the rat drank himself. To death on the heroin water and they say see 
once he got a lick of the heroin, he couldn't stop. He couldn't go back. He became addicted and died. Mm -hmm. Well, some of the research behind that kind of throws up questions like Vietnam. Um, a lot of soldiers went off to Vietnam and did a lot of heroin. Like a, the majority of guys who were in combat in Vietnam at least tried mm -hmm. heroin. For good reason. For good you, reason. You're you dealing with trauma. And, yeah, yeah. I yeah. want to be high too. Exactly. <laughs> and so they come back and guess what? They're not, they're not doing heroin. Most of them. I mean, some of them did and had to go through treatment. But the majority of them were not addicted to heroin. The same thing when grandma breaks her hip. Like, Grandma's given morphine, which morphine is a massive dose yeah. of really, really good heroin. And she doesn't get hooked on heroin and isn't fiending for it afterwards. Mm -hmm. uh, so, going back to the Rat City experiment, they, they decided to, okay, well, maybe it's the isolation. Mm -hmm. So, they took this rat and put him in a community with about 40 other rats with spinning wheels and little houses and male and female rats, you know, and they get together. And the same thing, heroin water, normal water, the rats didn't drink the heroin water until they died. Mm -hmm. a, a matter of fact, very few of them um, were addicted to the heroin water. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're talking about here, mm -hmm. is that, and that's a the big... sense of community, yeah. Exactly. Connection. Yeah. That's yeah. a big thing about... Because we're meant to connect to something. Yeah. If it's not an actual healthy relationship, we'll connect to, to a drug instead. Because the dopamine in our head, oxytocin, when just you and I having this conversation now... You know, there's chemicals firing off, and we're, you know, we're we're having a dialogue and a relationship, yeah. and there's something to that. I get you, you get me. Mm -hmm. That feels good. When you don't have that, yeah, chemicals are, are a great way to take the place of some of those feelings and some of those. But I think that gives me a lot of compassion for those experiencing homelessness because oftentimes the reason what brought them into homelessness was usually a lack of relationships, a lack of connection. Yeah. So if you and I, a tragedy occurred, an illness happened, we lost a job. If I was thrown out of this room right now onto the street, I would be able to call some people. I would be able to find someone that would take me in, you know, like, yeah. um, multiple friends or friend, family that I could call to, to, to sleep on the couch that night. Yeah. For those that a tragedy occurs or, um, or an illness happens or something, you know, a job loss, but they don't have that safety net of relationship. When that occurs, they just fall. Right. Yeah. And then you're on the street and I don't blame them. I'd want to get like, I have, uh, my friend, uh, Tony Chris talked about <laughs> one day about a friend of his. He's like, what is, he's like, when I give a homeless person money, I always give them like 20 bucks. Cause you can get like really drunk on 20 bucks. <laughs> and, but I, I think I like what his point is though. Yeah. That if I didn't have anyone to call overnight, yeah, I'd want to get really high as well. Yeah, that's a that's just a really rough place to be in life, and I'd want to forget about that night too. I really would, you know. And um, so I think that helps build compassion for you. Now, also too, to be fair, it illuminates to me what comes first: is chicken or the egg? Like, did the addiction cause the severing of it, of relationships, or did the addiction come about because of the lack of relationships? I don't, right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and and I don't know if that actually really helps me to like. Um, play detective and uncover that. I, yeah. I just know that I like who I am better when I can mo have have more basic empathy for the person living on the street that night. Yeah. And how that how that might feel to not be able to call anyone. Yeah. For a roof over my head. Not think about them as a Rubik's cube that needs to be solved. 
Yeah, they're not problems. Yeah. Yeah, they're human beings, and they have their own stories. Um, and you're right about the the dopamine and the, the, the chemicals going through our brains right now, even as we're having this conversation. Like, that's to come full circle. I, I That's what I'm trying to convey at Surf Seattle is that I want our interns to get a walk away with a sense of feeling known rather than what they know or what they don't know. Like the emphasis is on being known rather than what you know. Right. Because I think being known is actually what heals us. I think that's actually what brings about transformation. At least it has for me. And I, and this is a guy that's going in back into his his doctorate. So I'm not against knowing shit. Like you should. (laughs) I like to read and I like to, to know and understand who God is but I'd much rather feel known by God and I'd much rather feel known by friends and family that, that, that actually I feel as if they really love me. If you, if you buy into that idea of feeling known as opposed to knowing, then that has to dictate how you in turn look to others and how you decide to serve and care for other people around you. Yeah. That's been far more transformational for me. But if you see, religion or this work we're doing as a transfer of information. We were talking about this earlier or I mean, most, most homeless people know the gospel better than you and I do Oh yeah, because they've been handed it so many damn times and yeah. this nice little concise little pamphlet that gives you the four spiritual laws to get to heaven. And they've reduced the entire Bible Russ down to just one little pamphlet, which totally makes sense. <laughs> I don't know why God didn't think of that. <laughs> right. Silly him. He just sent his son instead of a damn yeah. pamphlet. But why what did he was come he up think? with? <laughs> So, which is the whole, which is because we were talking about like the the reductionistic of of things, then you could label it and then you can dismiss it. That's how the rhythm happens in our lives, right? That's what we do in politics all the time. You're Republican. I labeled you. Then I just, I've reduced you. That means you also must really not care about um, human rights and justice issues and uh, the refugee crisis. I've reduced you. Now I can dismiss you. The same happens with the gospel as well. The same happens with the particular good news that we have about God. That we reduce it ourselves to this stupid packet. Yeah. We hand it to you like it's just a transfer of information. Like that, it all even changes people. Yeah. We forget about actually knowing people, and then and then big surprise, they dismiss it. That was a <laughs> I was surprise. That was a big yeah. rant. I was like, that was good. I like it though. You lighten me that's up, a, man. <laughs> that's, that's punk rock. So what I, we're doing here? Um, yeah, you, 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 so that's kind of, you're saying a lot of the things that would probably surprise a lot of people uh, as a guy who works for Union Gospel Mission, <laughs> which I think is good. Well, you and I had a conversation, too, because I remember when I first met you a little over a year ago, and Seth Taylor and I came in, we did a, a thing, which nobody showed up for, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, speaking of branding, um, nobody, it was, anyway, it I, was won't, these, I won't get into it that. Was these, it was Seth Taylor, man. <laughs> it was the Seth Taylor. That's right. Uh, but you and I had this conversation. I remember because I remember being that too. Because I'm a, I'm a little I'm a you know I'm super skeptical about religious people. So it, we were talking about. I think I asked you about some of the interns. So you get interns here, and I said, do you ever get an intern who's kind of like has this kind of attitude? Like, say they come from Texas or Alabama. See, I'm mm-hmm. just totally shitting on the South right now. No, I do. All the time. Sorry. 
I don't know why everything. Sorry, <laughs> you guys from the south. I love you, but there is a lot of jacked up religion that comes from everything east of Sunkadia is the Deadlands to me. So, <laughs> is that the most arrogant thing you've heard all day? <laughs> no, no, but that's where I was kind of going. Like, okay, so how do you feel about Sunkadia. Joe Texas coming to sinful, evil Seattle, Capitol mm. Hill? You know, I mean, this area was settled by gay people in the '60s, where yeah. they could come away from all that shit and be. And not be crapped on and not be judged and yeah. you know, I mean that's why how this a big part of how this area was was settled. It, rainbows now, on our crosswalks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, rainbows in the crosswalks and, and now sadly it's kinda of, it's well it's the arts district, but now it's becoming Gentrified. Gentrified. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see what the future holds. It's all those brands. Yeah, it's all those brands. Got Amazon, man. I gotta get that thing. It is, man. Prime. Move in. I think it can be better, and then you end up killing the very thing that made it special. Yeah, but hopefully, I think it'll change. But anyway, so I was asking you, getting back to my point. Yeah. <laughs> I went off on a little rabbit trail. Um, I was asking you almost as a test question. I'll be honest. When we first met, just to see how you would how you would react. Um, what do you think about Mr. Uh, guy who comes from Texas to save evil Seattle? Like, there's a bunch of sinners here, and I've got that pamphlet, right? Mm-hmm. Kyle, I'm, I got the good news, and I'm going to come here with this this kind of arrogant attitude. Like, how does... Because you've had those guys, right? Oh, yeah, I told you, get them every year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've, I've been that guy, though. I'm not going to, like... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I've definitely been that guy. Right. Um, man, yeah, the first few years of trying to follow this Jesus... I was such a dick to my parents and yeah. just think so okay so like John Piper kind of you went yeah <laughs> sorry so <laughs> I, I think that I'll throw out John Piper okay so um yeah I mean one for starters yeah they didn't bring Jesus here he's he's been here long before them he'll be here long after he loves people far more than we can ever 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 fathom or understand um so I guess so um to illustrate it though like uh, what's been most helpful for me um, again, Tony Chris, I'm just going to keep referencing him, a uh, dear friend of mine, uh, he puts it this way, that that the good news or the gospel, or uh, it, for those that wouldn't come from a Christian lens, you know, you're the divine or the source of being truth, right? Yeah. We oftentimes communicate it, all of us, Christians and non-Christians alike, it doesn't regard, regardless, atheists do the same thing. Right. The um, universe. Yes. We, we tend to communicate it as if it's a piece of chocolate cake, that um, I have this piece of chocolate cake and I am willing in my very benevolence and my charity to offer you a piece of this cake. Yeah. You can have some. I'm, I'm giving it to you. You can have a piece. But I'm also making a ton of assumptions. I'm assuming you want cake. I'm assuming <laughs> right. you like chocolate. I'm assuming you already had your dinner and you're a good, polite person. You didn't have to eat dessert before dinner. I'm assuming that you're okay with being wrong about your entire worldview about life and that you, you believe I might be right. That right. you actually have enough trust in me that you think I'm right and you're wrong and you're, you like being wrong. Yeah. Who likes being wrong? Um, I'm making a lot of assumptions there and as an offering and, and I have tried for years as an evangelical Christian, which I can't label myself an evangelical anymore, partly for that reason, also because of Trump, but (laughs) but I, I tried for years to, um, convey the truth or the, or the gospel in that way as a chocolate cake and as, as a way of not being arrogant. And I tried everything and I, I can't do it. I don't think it's, I really don't think it's possible. Right. I think there is inherent arrogance in that. So another option is that instead of sharing truth as a piece of chocolate cake, sharing truth as a sunset, right? 
because you neither of us own the sunset. Right. Um, we both just can be spectators of it. We get to sit side by side in companionship and community together, relating with one another as we both observe it. I might know some science behind how the molecules reflect off the moon or you know, obviously yeah, yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if I did, it wouldn't be the point anyway. You yeah. you'd be like, Oh, that's interesting. But isn't it beautiful? Because that's the point. Yeah, it's exactly. really, really pretty. And you might share a story about some of the best sunsets you've seen in your life and who you sat there next to as you watched that sunset. And I might share some of my stories and we just would like partake. We'd be co co laborers, co like companions in this experience together. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's that posture is a f- is far more constructive when we're talking about the gospel or I'm talking about to a person coming in from Texas that thinks they brought God here to save people yeah. and they're going to like that um they like it helps them it it's a way of humbling us I think of recognizing that like right. either it's true or it's not true but it's always been true and it will be true long before you're... It kind of wrecks your ego, doesn't it, after a while? Like, once they get into it, mm-hmm. that kind of destroys or peels those layers of, of ego off a person, doesn't it? Yeah. Once you get into the soup with people who are living on the streets, like, I don't know. I, I, I would it purifies things. I agree with you, because um, cause that's actually... I think that's where God really actually makes a difference and matters in our lives, is is in our suffering. Yeah. Like if and I if I understand any of the stories of Jesus where he most where people most likely experience them are in the most margin most forgotten, most oppressed areas of society, right? Yeah. yeah. So if I'm going to experience God in a significant way, then I should go to those places. Yeah. I should go underneath overpasses and through meth camps and um in alleyways and I should go to I should go to the margins. At least if I'm reading my Bible cor- correctly, then that's I think that's where he he hangs out the most. And I think that's where we see that beauty and truth too. Is and I heard that's another kind of genesis of this this podcast is a, a guy theology defining theology. There was a, a professor at Cambridge who said um, he defined theology as seeking beauty and truth, mm-hmm. which I thought was really a beautiful way of of, of explaining it. Uh, who this God character is. Also, getting into some of the Orthodox teachings of like um, of consciousness. My friend John, who's Orthodox, he likes to remind me that you know all this Eastern terminology. Sometimes we use consciousness or enlightened and stuff like that, and a lot of people point towards Buddhism or Eastern. My friend John likes to remind me that hey, uh, Russ, Christianity's an Eastern religion. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like we forget that because oh, a totally. bunch of white guys hijacked it. Yeah, right around the what 14th, 15th century, and we branded it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We, we did it. We it. did it better. Now we got it figured out. Yeah, we have found the corner market on truth. Luther made a label and tacked it on a door, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then he made a whole bunch of more popes. Yeah, <laughs> but like it gets the one pope, and now we got twenty six thousand. What was it? Thirty three thousand denominations. Uh, registered denominations, you know, and counting throughout all the, claiming the that world. we 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 got it all figured. We out. got the right way, yeah, and the right biblical translation of this. Yeah, of course, because <laughs> yeah, right. it's it's just so obvious. It's just such a plain text. <laughs> That's right. God, there's a, there's something to that though. The the consciousness that that is awakened by pain, um, mm-hmm. 
well, God said it and I believe it and that's it. And mm. there's some people that have that attitude until something happens in their life and then the shit falls mm -hmm. down and they're, and it, that's maybe the deconstruct that happens with people. Yeah. You know, a family member gets addicted to heroin. Um, they themselves are diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. And then some of that pithy shit that, that for some reason is enough mm -hmm. just doesn't work anymore. And sometimes the most blessed thing that can happen is, it's maybe horrible to say, I don't wish it on people, but, you know, I've, I've dealt in the, in the realm of addicts and, and done volunteer work with addicts and been in some rooms, you know, circular rooms with chairs and listened to some stories and heard people that had it not you know and it's like you know i don't i'm not mr oh god had a plan and some really horrible shit happened mm. to you and that's part of god's plan i don't i don't think i believe that i think that beauty and truth can work through some yeah, of the most I mean, horrific really not honoring of the experience of the person either that's, no it's um yeah yeah and so some of that is is where we're going with this too i have a uh, my best friend's wife is um our last treatment of chemo for breast cancer and the hardest thing that they've had to go through is has been the 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 remarks from well-meaning christians oh wow i mean just some of the just most ridiculous things you you would ever like what went through your what possessed you to say something so callous and so so ignorant of suffering like we don't suffer well you know like everything yeah. about like our our idol in America is comfort. It's it's it, we do everything imaginable to avoid suffering, and then we wonder why we're so spiritually shallow, myself included. Yeah. Like I get in my nice little like you know SUV and I put on the perfect temperature yeah. to transport me magically from my home to my work and back. Yeah. You know, and I get annoyed by the discomfort of my commute taking longer than 12, 12 minutes longer than it should. Yeah, you know, like it just like that. Just no wonder I'm so radically spiritually shallow. And I'm so shocked if there's any actual suffering that enters into my life that's valid, right? Like, yeah. I'm like, where is God? It's because I've never had to, like, I've been swimming in the pissy shallow end for so long, you know, that once I get thrown into the deep end, I have no idea how to swim. Uh, I think, and, and for our interns, going back to your deconstructed point, I think it's inevitable if you put someone, either they face their own pain and suffering and, and trauma, or they encounter the trauma and suffering of another, it is inevitable that you are going to ask that question of like, Hey, this doesn't work. Yeah. And then you start deconstructing and it, and it can be super, for me, it was extremely, uh, jarring and scary, terrifying to look at this room full of furniture and recognize I had inherited this room and I don't know if this furniture belongs in here anymore. So I'll start moving it around and, and I'll start like recognizing, you mean no one's going to like, shun me if I just throw this couch out because it doesn't make <laughs> sense in this room anymore, you know? Yeah. And maybe that chair goes better by the window and just to start rearranging things a little bit. And it's, uh, so it's been really special to walk with the interns through that to not show, because they've been sold the idea that doubt and questions are opposed to faith, right? Right. That somehow those are, um, that you need to be a real Christian, which yeah. just basically means to like suppress those things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so you yeah. could be more outwardly shallow <laughs> right? <laughs> and more unprepared for actual trauma and, and struggle of life. But, um, to walk with them through it and to, um, 
show. I mean, I love how Rob Bell puts like doubt as it doesn't even say like it's it's like the um, like the heartbeat of of faith, like it's the it's the pulse of faith. Like it reminds me it's still alive. Yeah, and that's been really helpful for me through my own deconstruction of what do I actually really believe about God and the universe and life, and and not. I, and I'm, I'm not, again, believe me, like, I, I, I haven't arrived. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm not the wise sage that you should adopt my brand. <laughs> I, I just, um, but I ha- but going back to full circle, I, I have felt known through it, though. I think I'm thankful for our church that I... Um, Do you get to ask those questions? Because there's a lot yeah. of folks in your position, I don't that's what I'm really curious think, about yeah. having this conversation with you, too, is you're a guy in professional ministry, and that's what's cool about the organization that you're a part of is you're allowed to ask those questions. Like you're not, some people lose their job, right? Yeah. I mean, I've dealt with, uh, well, hopefully I won't. (laughs) (laughs) If if Kyle still has a job after this airs, (laughs) you could pray for him. How's that? Um, (laughs) no, but I think that, uh, but that's, I mean, I've heard you on, on your own podcast, you guys have a podcast, and yeah, uh, we're pretty open about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I've heard you on some other shows because it's the elephant in the room. Like it is, everyone's wondering that stuff. Yeah, everyone's got the same questions and doubts. But um, when you're not allow- allowed to ask the questions, yeah, that's when it gets troubling. I think that's when I think that's where people are walking away from organized religion too, mm-hmm. is because they start to realize, like, oh shit, there's I can't ask that. Yeah, and then what am I doing here? If mm-hmm. I can't ask that, yeah, because that's where my heart is going. That's where that pulse of faith really is. Yeah, you know. You mean like yeah, yeah. You mean maybe a guy didn't get swallowed by a whale for three days, <laughs> spit out on the water. <laughs> I, mean, I can't, you know. Sit yeah. Like, or my wife got cancer. Yeah. Oh, way better question. You're right. Yeah. Way and that better. fucking lady had just told me that you know God's got a plan. God's got a plan. Or God's makes you stronger. What you know? It's gonna make you stronger. And this yeah. is, if you believed, oh, and then some of the prosperity gospel people, like some of that shit is. We just can't. Yeah, toxic. we can't. We can't handle. I, I think part of it is too. I mean, if you want to get real theological, I think some of it is our, our um, understanding of the cross that we see Jesus as this only a bridge that came to fix a problem. So we see others as a problem, and we try to fix them. And he suffered for us, so he becomes the scapegoat. Right. Yeah. Um, no wonder we scapegoat um, whole communities all the time. Right. Uh, re- and I, I'm learning from Black Liberation theology that it, but uh, perhaps in addition, I'm not saying as opposed to. I think that's a valid theology. I'm not. It's not either or. But I, I do think that maybe as a white male, <laughs> that I of privilege, maybe I'm missing something in the scriptures that were written primarily to a very oppressed, marginalized culture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe I'm just not. Maybe I'm not seeing something that they saw, yeah. and I'm and I'm noticing more and more that maybe Jesus came to suffer with us rather than only for us. Exactly. And I'm starting to slowly understand a little bit more about the meaning of solidarity, of just being with people, the power of presence, of just sitting in that waiting room with my best friend. Right. And um, texting him <clears throat> when he's up, st- up up in the emergency room with his wife or the surgery room and saying, I'm going to be down here for the next six hours and you can come down if you want. I'll, I'll get, you got free coffee as much as you want. If you Either way is fine. And and sitting there for four or five, six hours and, and him not coming down because things got busy and that's fine. But that actually, actually being enough. Like I don't, you know, I don't have to, right. I'm just, I want to be there. That's enough. Yeah. Like that has taught me so much about 
the cross and moving away from being Mr. Answer Man for people all the time and acting like I don't have any of the questions or doubts of my own because I have a ton of questions and doubts about um, why God's putting them through that because they're the, the most grand, beautiful people we've ever seen, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. And, um, There's something to that habit of being the answer guy, too. And I've had it, too. Oh, it keeps you in control. Yeah. That's why I feels like control, doesn't it? That haunts me about being a pastor for so long. I I wonder sometimes, was it more about control? Yeah. Because you don't have to ask me any. I get to be on this side of the table. Yeah. Even in this interview, right? Like, I I get to reveal to you what I want to reveal. I don't get to tell you everything. Right. And ultimately, that keeps me in control. But if I live my whole life like that and don't actually get known by people, then that's not a very, that's a pretty shallow existence. Yeah, yeah. I like that. the behind the counter analogy. I've used that uh, before. Most of us are like a like a store, you know. We, we, you know what the store is. You know mm-hmm. what the brand is. You know, to mm-hmm. use that word, you walk in, you do business with the person behind the counter. Mm-hmm. But there's few people as humans, and if we're the store, there's few people we let behind the counter yeah. to do business with us back there. The, the accountant, the person that does the books, mm-hmm. and a lot of us don't have that, you know. And I think as a, as pastors, there's a or, or, or not just pastors, but people who religious professionals. Yeah, you know there becomes this kind of silent suffering because if you let people oh, totally. behind the counter that much, they may just disqualify you, mm-hmm. right? Because you're not qualified. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. know it. You know it the exactly. whole time from beginning to end. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like the you know the Wizard of Oz thing. It's like, oh, oh shit! I saw the guy behind the counter with people. the thing, the levers. Yeah. Yeah, and we're all kind of like that. So um, then you build a, a higher, higher desk, and you get more and more convicted about... You become Driscoll. Frankly. Yeah. You know, that's just like... That's that's why those those churches get built on that pedestal if we have the corner market on faith. Yeah. It's just this massive smokescreen to keep them keep people from, keep from looking behind the counter. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying they don't have truth. I just don't think they know all the truths. And I don't think I do either. And I don't think that's where the transformation occurs anyways in front of the desk. I think yeah. it actually happens behind the desk. Yeah, yeah. When we actually get to know people. It happens when, when the toothpaste is squeezed out of the tube and you start to... Because I think that's a consciousness thing, too. Yeah. Like, when you start asking those questions, I don't think you put that back in the tube. Look, it's, not, it's already out of the tube. Yeah. It ain't going back in. That's kind of consciousness. But, again, those institutions... They 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 want to preserve what the, their brand right. Mm-hmm. The, the Mars Hill thing is is interesting because I was a part of that too, and I remember being in recovery groups and seeing some real change happen in people. Mm. You know, I saw heroin addicts getting clean. I remember praying over a guy who was getting off methadone, who had mm. got an apartment. You know, I mean, he's getting cleaned up, and and this this kind of thing was beautiful. The Thursday night grace groups they called them, and mm. and. You know, ultimately, it just it just fell apart on Mark being the brand, and I think that that didn't happen because Mark's an evil bad guy or something like that. I think yeah. it happened silently, sort of like a cancer, and and I think that maybe this conversation on branding, I'm th- I'm just thinking out loud here. I don't have the answers, but I'm working this out in my head as as we're talking about this. But it seems like it started out with Mars Hill as this kind of hip cool pastor says swear words there's people with tattoos 
you know, he's wearing a Ramones t-shirt on stage. Mm-hmm. Like, this is our church. And you you who feel like outcasts in the city of Seattle can come and worship here. This is our thing. Mm-hmm. We love Jesus, and we don't care how you look. Just come as you are. Mm-hmm. Beautiful message. Yeah. But then it, it, it had to be, you know, a different drive. And then Mark's up there. And then Mark became the brand. Like, yeah. it didn't, somehow, it just devolved into... Then it started to, they started to divide, you know, mm-hmm. oh, this person can't be here because of, I think it's a control thing, you know, mm-hmm. it just, he had to have a control or the leadership or, and it was always quiet. So they would quietly fire people, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause they don't want it to reflect negatively on the brand. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mark that's became the brand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when Mark became the brand, that was the, I think the, the death nail, you know? That was the thing that killed the beast. Was Mark just wouldn't apologize? He wouldn't make amends, as yeah. we would call it in recovery circles. He apologized. He said he was sorry. He had tears. He was really sorry. Yeah. But there's that extra thing that us addicts have to do is actually go to the person who you stole the fucking stereo from mm-hmm. to buy that crack rock and say you're sorry. Like well, we have the hardest time with that. We can be sorry. I'm really sorry, but I'd rather be sorry from a distance. And no, in I this think, case, it's Arizona. I think. Okay, so I think. Um, I think the difference is he addressed what happened. He didn't ex- address why it happened. Yeah, and as too. Christians, were a uh, quick story. He probably doesn't know why. He doesn't no, know why himself. Why. Yeah, oh, totally. No, yeah. it takes time to uncover the why. Like I, yeah, there was a few months ago. I was um, Laura and I got my wife. We got in a big argument, and I think it was about something stupid like they normally are. Anyways, I'm in the car driving to to work and felt convicted by the Holy Spirit for us <laughs> okay. that, uh, that I was like, I shouldn't have, shouldn't have like raised my voice to her. So I quickly turned down the, the Christian radio station I was listening to. And, uh, and throughout, this is actually a few years ago. Now I think about it. Um, I like to think I'm not shallow now, but anyways, <laughs> I quickly threw out an apology to God. I said, sorry. I said, sorry, God, please forgive me. And then I turned back up that I said, amen. And then I turned back up the Christian radio station. And in that moment, I will never forget. I felt as if, I didn't feel like it. Did you I say just, this in your head or audibly? I said it out loud. Okay. Yeah. Was she sitting no next to you? No, no, no. Okay. Just okay. In my car, on the commute. All right. Cars in front of me. And uh, and then I turned back up the radio and I remember thinking to myself, you are such a phony. <laughs> you are such a fucking phony. Because, and, and I, I got a sense as if God was like, like you just, like you treat me like a vending machine. Like I'm some drug dealer. So <laughs> full, such, full, um, full circle to addiction. Like, you just come to me to like get this drug of forgiveness to appease your conscience, your conscience for for a moment, and then you're going to come back the next day anyway. But like, what if I'm not so concerned about the sin as I am the shame, or or more, I'm not, I'm less concerned about what happened, and I'd like to talk about why it happened. Like, right. Why did you get so angry at something so small? Like, what's going on in your insecurities of your life, or that? It, and so then that it was like, but I don't want to talk about that. I will talk about anything but that, right? Right. Like, I'll, I'll keep God at bay, and I'll just have Him. I'll insert the prayer, and out will come forgiveness. And I'll treat Him like a vending machine, and then I, I'll wake up one day and realize I have all the answers. But inwardly, I'm so insanely shallow. You know, I think that's what turns people into that transactional gospel. Yeah. Because. Because that's all God's ever been for us. This is transaction. Yeah, yeah. And and so I've in the last probably couple of years, I've started like getting into meditation more and mindfulness and trying to let God into the why question, and that has helped me feel more and more known because He's knocking on doors in the 
house of my of my heart that I don't want him knocking on. You know, he's right. that's that relational thing. Yeah, right? and yeah. he's uncovering all kinds of stuff. Like maybe the reason why I insist on being so acting like I'm so smart and I have all the answers is because I'm really insecure because I make less money than all my friends because right. they're all you know Microsoft and Amazon guys. And so I'm at a dinner party with all of them and. I know all of them make six figures, and I I, I don't even get close to half of that. Right. You know, and um, and that and I don't feel like I can. I'm, I'm the breadwinner as much as I'd like to be. And, you know, all that stuff, yeah. and then you just your start, ego start, just starts to. Oh yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. It's ego, yeah, and, yeah. and I long for that for the for church leaders and for for spiritual people in general to start. I, I, I learned that from Zen Buddhist friends of mine. <laughs> they were right. really great at asking the why questions. And I kept wondering, why are you so at peace with your life? And I, and I think you're wrong. But you're at peace. Yeah. And I'm right, though. You know, you know, the, you know what a pastor... Because <laughs> he takes on the thing. You know? Right. You know, you know what a pastor's definition of someone who disagrees with him is? Lost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's a great way to stay in control, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, anyways, I don't know how we got on that topic. I just, um, I, I just know that that I feel for church leaders cause that was me. I, you know, church became something I got paid to go to and yeah. prayer was turned into something that would help me be a good Christian this week so that you'll bless my message. Yeah. <laughs> like how shallow is that? Or yeah. Bible reading was like coming up with three points to share that Sunday. And it was just, it, it just, and I felt myself eroding inside you know and uh and drinking more and more heavily having to buffer right because you just those it's not like the why question goes away yeah it still haunts you and you got to get more and more into addiction or buffering yeah social media or porn or anything yeah to keep you from asking the question that keeps getting knocked on the door yeah about that asking knocking yeah that's such a good metaphor um I also wanted to ask a few questions that had to do with, uh, like, conflict resolution. I don't know how much you do that here, being sure. a, with interns and stuff. Yeah. But that's a big part of uh, what we do in, with punk theology is this, this uh, project slash experiment. One of the things I also wanted to ask, just as, as it came up, because you talked about your, your Zen Buddhist friends and and how the... It, like, you're, you seem to be... Um, on a path of understanding God as relationship, but also Christians love to throw that word around too, <laughs> right? Yeah, like that can become kind of shallow and plastic as well. Mm-hmm. Like I have a relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Don't it's not a religion. Yeah, it's not a religion. I'm unique. I figured it out. It's a unique, it's a unique <laughs> brand, Russ. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. Not a. I put a bumper sticker on to prove it. That's right. We got a. We got our match. dot com with Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm just gonna keep going, looping back to say now. But there's there's something to that. What's that? I'm just gonna keep looping back to say. <laughs> <laughs> there's something to that that relationship, like that that makes the most sense to me. I think that that's how I grew up, and that's how I understood God. But when I actually went, oh, like this God gives a shit about me, mm-hmm. like really, like that kind of blew my mind. Because that, that was a lot of damage that I grew up with, with a, the kind of evangelical thing, um, was shame and guilt and and how God loves the good little children. And even as a kid, knowing that, oh, like, no, like, I'm, I've got, I steal shit, and I have mm-hmm. weird desires, and I say things, and I have bad thoughts, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Uh, I love that song Same by... Thoughts. 
uh, yeah, I love that song by Everclear. That whole, you know, sometimes I I think bad stuff, and sometimes I'm really angry, you know. And stop telling me it's so wonderful, mm. you know. Why, mm -hmm. why is it? It's you know, why do you keep saying it's wonderful? Mm. Um, so as a kid struggling with that, and then just I remember uh, just going to see this. I was a teenager. I'd been off a bender from a really bad partying situation and went to mow my grandma's lawn to get gas money. And then I hear this Calvinist guy talking about predestination. And I had this really dark aha moment sitting there going, because he just kind of made me go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and having this dark aha moment going, oh, like I was never saved in the first place. Like mm -hmm. that's why I can't get right. That's why I keep falling back into these just because the, that whole, you know, laws and proving it thing just isn't, you can't do it. So it proves that you're not saved, you know, mm. that's kind of where I went with it. Mm -hmm. But there's still that thing that you're talking about in the back of my heart somewhere, knocking on that little door going, no, I love you. I think that's where I had my, I had this kind of wake up thing where it felt like God was just like oh, come here you <laughs> you know like this mm -hmm. like sort of hug thing going on and it was mm. a, it was a relational i don't know how do we explain that mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's kind of the the thing that, it, the, that we're talking about here as well right like you're out there doing missions and we're trying to just feed people like what people need is a is a, a loaf of bread but they also don't need to be enabled right and mm -hmm. we go into some of that yeah yeah, no, there's a thin line between, I mean, like, yeah, when we, she, I mean, we're, UGM's a, a charitable organization, right? Yeah. But the irony is when we treat people like charity cases, that is inherently, um, uh, it, it takes away a lot of the, the, it's, it's undignifying of the person. Yeah. Because no one wants to be a charity case forever. Like no. We all want to. Or they do. Like I knew addicts that did, so there's that that kind of relationship. I guess we're sort of they, going with the gospel yeah. and then the relationship with a with an a, addicted person who, not that they all do, but I know there's some that hey three hots and a cot. Like I knew guys like that. Mm -hmm. It started getting cold. It's November. Oh shit! I need to rob a fucking liquor store mm -hmm. so I can go to jail for a few months and and. Yeah, you but I guess what I'm, you know what I'm concerned about is is what what happens to the person that gives the charity though, like. I think if I if I see others as charity cases, then what I happens inside of me is pity, and and I think that's what you what you bristled against that day. Yeah, was a god that would have pity on you, and then you 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 got a sense that no, like I'm not a charity case to him. Oh yeah, like I'm actually loved. Yeah, I have some. I, I have inherent dignity and value. Oh, interesting. Just yeah. not because of what I do or what I don't do, but. Like inherently for just being a human being. Yeah. Um, and that's why we don't commodify, go in full circle to that. But I think a lot of Christians and their and their zeal to be generous, it ends up looking like charity and um and then ultimately pity. Yeah. And I don't I don't like what happens inside of me personally when I see others with pity. I, I get that you would go through that. I think that's maybe a necessary step towards compassion. But I do not think that should be where we stop, because I do not think that's who God is. I don't think I'm a charity case to Him. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't say like go and do even greater things than these. Right? Like, he actually thinks we're pretty capable of some incredible stuff. 
and and, uh, and not out of some statement. begrudging obligation, but it's like, <laughs> no, you're awesome. Go do awesome things. Yeah, yeah. Like I gave you so much cool stuff. You have skills and gifts and talents and quirks and idiosyncrasies. You're like wonderfully unique. Yeah, like yeah. go try it. Go experiment. Yeah. Um, even obedience, like Christians like to talk about obedience to God like that. Like, I don't think God's after our begrudging submission. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to being good. Well, he know? must not be very good at being God then. <laughs> Just like, I'm, I'm saying in the same sense that like, the, those same Christians are the ones that are like, you know what, husband or wives should submit to their husbands. Yeah. Like, if I ever have to pull that card out to my wife and be like, oh, baby, God. it says here in the scriptures that you need to submit to me, I'm a really shitty husband. You know, like, because I clearly... I have to pull out some weird card, some trump card, to get her to do what I want her to yeah, do. Yeah, I'm a that's a that's a bad husband, and yeah. I think it's a bad god yeah. that would like have to pull out the god card to get you to to do what he wants to do. What if he's just so awesome and so loving that we're com- like the Bible says it. It says like Christ's love compels us. Yeah, <laughs> like it, you know, yeah. I should be so loved and so known that I just want to. There should be a response to that. Yeah. It's the kindness that leads us to repentance Repentance. or life change or changing direction, you know. Which even repentance is not like a sign outside the Sounders game with some (laughs) stupid guy with a (laughs) bullhorn. Repentance is like one of the most beautiful words in the Christian Orthodox faith. Like, it's this this invitation to like, hey, you're going off trail. You're going off that way. Like, the trail's this way. Life's over here. It's so good. Go this way with me. Let's go together towards the sunrise. Like... Like, you know, that's that's repentance. It's like one of the most kindest, generous words out there. Yeah. And we've, again, man, we've labeled it, we've branded it, <laughs> we've reduced it, and we've dismissed it. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's oh, someday I'd like to do that with evangelical. I'm just not there yet. I'm too triggered. <laughs> <laughs> right. I can't go back to that yet. But I admit that I, I've dismissed that bad boy. there's something to it though i get that like it's not bad good word a brand is not bad like i guess you get it i guess it works better with businesses and corporations than it does a church because they're consumeristic yeah because we got a thing and we're selling our thing faith is never meant to be consumeristic but we made it because like the tithing unit we that's the thing dude we we christians usually like oh you're so consumeristic you just go to that church because they have a slip and slide and they drop 2,000 Easter eggs from the from the sky every every Easter, and yeah, yeah. they have the big TVs. No, it's consumeristic on the other end, too, because pastors refer in staff meetings to tithing units. Like, we've reduced, you know, like, that's <laughs> yeah. so consumeristic and commodifying. Right. Nicholson knows it, I heard one pastor yeah, say. Yeah, it's, so it's error on both ends. Yeah. And then we have a multi-purpose room where we put the, the service in with no aesthetics and no sense of beauty. Yeah. And it all reeks of consumerism. Yeah. It looks like a mall more than it does like something that you would want to worship in. Yeah, and we That's wonder why the beautiful things about orthodoxy is. Oh, the churches are the yeah. architecture. Yeah, the smell is good, and you know all because that stuff. matters. Like the incense, all that it yeah. totally matters. It surrounds your sentence senses, and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, some of that you know, I guess some of that I go, I still get, I bristle up against too the bells and smells. I call it, you know, mm-hmm. like I think it's good. And, and yeah, there's some worship. I, I have a friend who's very, like, his his affections are stirred by those kinds of things. And maybe, I don't know, sometimes I visit that, like, uh, I'm a adult survivor of childhood sexual assault. 
myself. So I hear these stories that come out of the Catholic Church. Yeah. And I see a guy wearing a robe and I just want to fight. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like get away from that kid, you know. And and you know, I don't it, I mean it's it's across the board. It's not just Catholics. Yeah. But I think when the Catholics they kinda they like to cover it up. And the church still church too, right? Have you seen that hashtag? What's that? Church too. <laughs> no, seriously it's, it's a spin off. Me too. It's oh, a spin off yeah. me too. If you, yeah. yeah Google, or uh, hashtag church too on Twitter and You'll see story after story. That's oh, exactly wow. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And There's a guy far more than the Catholic Church. I had a guy on the other podcast who was uh, in that organization that was in uh, portrayed in the film Spotlight. You mm. know, one of those guys that helped head up this this organization of, of victims of you know childhood sexual assault by priests. Mm. Like that's a thing. Like there's a whole organization with tens of thousands of maybe hundreds of thousands of people. Um, that were abused by priests, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, I guess that's where I go with it too. Like some of that stuff is cool, but does it change the heart? Like it has it's cool, but the people that are doing it and know all that shit, like they know how to set it up and they know mm-hmm. how to make the candles and they know they they can name all the saints and all the paintings, but that didn't do anything to to convict them of doing really dark shit like that, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know. So that's where I go. Yeah, because it's a transaction. Yeah, yeah. They're just asking the what question, not the why. Yeah. Right? There's outward moral modification, but no inward transformation. Yeah. And maybe that's where I'm going with it. Unlike my friend John, even though they're professionals, it never stirred their affections in the Mm. first place. Maybe it was always a game. Mm. Or sadly, like the comedian Louis C.K. said, it's, you know, that that was their angle. Mm. Like there's just a lot of kids here. And a lot of pedophiles are like that, you know. They'll we have go um, towards places with kids. When I first first started doing this work, so we have you know like twenty or eighteen to twenty five year olds come through these doors. You know, we have probably like twenty five to fifty of them every year, right? And uh, like probably eighty percent of them are women. And um, that was the biggest shock for me in doing this work was the story after story of sexual abuse and sexual assault. Um, that I had heard from the, from the girls that live here. Um, and it, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad, but it's actually a a really, it's a rarity if that's not a part of their story. Wow. Like the vast majority of girls that, that I have known in the four years of doing this have experienced that. So it, it's laid on me such a, a, such a, um, burden, I think of helping create what does it look like to really create a safe environment for these women to be healed and loved and reimagining what health looks like with with the opposite sex because that's been oh those boundaries have been so destroyed you know yeah yeah and that's been really sweet to um yeah i mean it's man it's such a powerful thing when when a, a you can you know that's part of a girl's story and she is willing to let down her guard a little bit again. Because girls are smart, man. It's just such a thing as women's intuition. Like, oh, yeah. they know by looking at a guy for two minutes whether or not, if he had a chance in the right situation, he would try something. Yeah. So it's either in you or it's not, you know? And if it's in you, then you got to figure out, you got to ask the why questions and you got to get it out of you. Yeah. You know? Because it's killing not just you, but it's killing people around you and they see it. And those micro reactions, they know, their instincts tell them. And that's, that's been a lot of good soul searching for me and the other men here on staff and other men in the house of like, 
Well, I mean, yeah, the core scripture, like how to love women with young women with absolute purity, right? Yeah. Um, but out of that has been some real healing to to see to like somehow start to build some semblance of trust again that not all guys are like that. Yeah. And that um, these are what healthy boundaries look like, and this is what you should expect from men. Uh-huh. You know that they should honor you, and yeah, man, it's been. I didn't expect that when I took this job, but that's uh-huh. been a, a major, major part of the transformation that's happened here is helping create that environment. Because, man, the thing is, too, it's not like they're not getting... I mean, you know, they they take the bus everywhere, so they get catcalled and shit all the time. Yeah. And they're in internships in, like, the middle of, like, something pretty tough, and, you know, or some of them are actually helping girls get out of sex trafficking. Yeah. So the least we could provide is a place where they come home at night and it's safe. They're not, they know they're not going to get right. picked up on or some weird, <laughs> right. you know? But that's amazing that they're able to share that with you, too. And I think that's also yeah. something about the value of what you're doing here. It's and you as known, a leader, right? too. And I'll even throw it as you as a leader. Because not a lot of people in a Christian place would share that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a lot of big emphasis on putting a mask on and pretending like everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's a, a, a internship to a religious professional yeah. kind of career. And here they are. Because I would, would I no longer be qualified if I shared what who I really am. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you've created a place where people can let their guard down and actually share that thing. So mm-hmm. I wanted to I know, commend you for that. As a survivor myself, yeah. and who's heard a lot of horrific stories from people, yeah. I was 38 years old, Kyle, before I told anyone hmm. what happened to me. Just because it, there's shame attached to it. Yeah. Not so much like wearing a mask and fronting. Like I just became mm-hmm. who I was. Like This is this dirty thing in me that happened to me that no one needs to know about. And a part of it was the guy that kept me quiet, you know, feeding me this this horrible message about myself. Mm. So when you can bridge that gap, yeah. like I'm, you know, hats off to you for that because it's yeah. not easy, you know. It's not easy. It's not, not only is it not easy, it's not something someone does without realizing and knowing that you're safe enough mm. to let them into their sacred space because mm-hmm. that's what that is. Oh, it totally is, yeah. yeah. And getting, believe me, there's a weight of like not ever betraying that, you know. I'm getting a little emotional as I say that because that's you know when you invite someone into that place and share that kind of hurt with them, mm-hmm. you're walking on sacred ground. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Some of some of what I've done, you know, and, and recovery gets gets to that level, and it's you know fuck, it's so fucked up and beautiful at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, where someone can oh oh wow, I can trust you and share this with you. Mm-hmm. So important, um, and that they're not a—they're not even marked as like a charity case from that point on. But we still actually yeah. really believe in you. We think you can contribute to this thing that we're doing together, so you don't get knocked down a peg on this like Christian chart org chart or something. No, like you are still just as valuable. There's not a ceiling there, yeah, or any of that BS. But like, yeah, that that bro- like the brokenness actually makes you more effective. Like that, yeah, when we confront that in all of our own lives, yeah. It's almost the opposite message of Superman Jesus, right? Like, if you could be good enough, like, if I could have been good enough and a good enough boy, that wouldn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. Like, we look at the cross and go, like, God's not going to rescue you, like, from some dark shit because you didn't, you know. No, like, we worship a God who 
went to a cross and, and bled and died. And mm-hmm. um, like again, my friend John says that. Like we we think that God's gonna make it easy on us, mm-hmm. but there's something in our suffering that yeah, we can see beauty in it. Like that's something I like to share. I stole it from somebody. I don't have an original thought either, but I stole it from somebody else along the way. But somebody would be sharing their shit, you know, just some horrible shit that happened. And then they'd say something like, my life is shit. And I would say, some beautiful stuff can grow out of shit. Yeah. Yeah. They use shit for growing shit. Beautiful stuff. But that's, I mean, we've talked about it already, but that's that's where God matters, right? That's Mm -hmm. actually where he makes a difference. And I think in our culturally because that's what the doctorate's going to be on right so i always have to like reframe it in that respect i think culturally we used to ask the question does god exist that's not a compelling question anymore people don't care one way or another <laughs> frankly a god uh, uh, dr metzger puts it this way a god of the gaps where god only mattered in the parts of the world that we didn't know about like uh so it's all about knowing more things right yeah but the problem about that is then science came along and they're like hey did you know that Earth's not the center of the universe, and the church got really offended and threatened, right? Because it's about it's not no, if, if, if yeah, <laughs> if, if God is if the Earth is in the center, then the Bible is wrong, and if the Bible is wrong, then God doesn't matter because the right. value of God only um, was built upon the framework of the gaps of our knowledge, because it was yeah. all about what you know or what you don't know, right? Right. And we just repeat this mistake over and over again. We're in the middle of this mistake in, when it comes to sexuality currently. Like it just yeah. This this it's God only matters of what we know or what we don't know. And this if, if the more we learn, the more thread in the church gets because the church is meant to bestow knowledge and what we do know. And the right. more you know, the more spiritual you are. And what we're talking about in suffering, it's not about knowing or not knowing. It's about being known. Uh, and that come about comes about most clearly in the midst of suffering, right? Of revealing yeah. our inner inner brokenness. And that, that method of subtraction. And that's where God matters. Too. Yeah, right? we start pulling stuff out of the bowl, so to speak, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and saying... Moving the furniture out of the room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And saying it's okay, you know, it's okay to do that. But yeah, the... the the question around sexuality is, is a big one too. And one thing I like to bring up with pastors who, cause I've noticed this and I think that what it is, there seems to be a fear. Like if it's okay for gay people to be gay, like we've realized even the guy, very strong evangelical guy that was heading up, you know, all of this conversion therapy. And, oh, gosh. you know, that guy said after years of doing that work of being in the trenches with those folks said, it doesn't work. Like we're not, this, we're harming people. Mm-hmm. We're hurting people by trying to do this. Why, why can't we love them the way they are? God didn't make them this way because they're, you know, oh, they are born with leprosy. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where it's become, and I'm trying to, if there's anything I could say to some pastors today, knowing a lot of gay Christians myself, yeah. is that it's it's not 21st century leprosy. I think that's what they fear. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this is driven by fear. Which then further, further isolates. Yeah. And it brings about more destructive patterns in people's bigger lives. Bigger walls. We've got to put walls up to guard from the, the gays. <laughs> right? Because they might agenda. get in and We're infect like, hey, our can kids. can come in and learn about God? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I... I it's but okay. it's not It's not leprosy. And there are a lot of people... If you, all you have to do is to study some psychology yeah, it to doesn't realize... Take, yeah. Read yeah. a book. Exactly. <laughs> so I keep wanting to tell Trump when it comes to the environment. Like, just pick, just pick <laughs> one book, man. Yeah. That tweet he did about the whole, like... 
like, like it looks like it's really cold on the East Coast. Take that, global warmers. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it doesn't work that way. And could you just, for the sake of my grandkids, read one damn book? <laughs> right. Like, you pick, man. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, going back to the um, LGBT plus um, community, I think regardless of where people land on that, um, I think we can universally say that the church has vastly failed that community. We have only offered them no's, and we've given them zero yeses. Yeah. Like, we've only said, no, you can't get married, and no, you can't become a member, and no, you can't play guitar at the worship team, and no, you'll never have kids. And then we, we act surprised when they're not excited about this good news. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it's full of no's. Yeah. And if we're... If, if, I land differently than this, but if the church is going to hold... If, if if a church is going to hold that conservative position, then the least they could do is be held accountable with having um, the right yeses. Like, if you're not willing to think that, say that they can have a family, then you better at least show up and become a family. And if you're not willing to say that they can't have kids or be in leadership, that the man, you better figure out a way to empower and, and dignify the person because you haven't even tried. Yeah, and I think that has borne about such tremendously terrible fruit um, that you just can't deny. And I don't think there's any excusing it, regardless of where you land on that. Um, I'm going to land much more on the progressive side of things, but even in my conservative friends, my best friends, we're all in agreement on that, that this fruit is terrible and it is unexcusable. That's how I think about that. Yeah, I just I think we've completely missed the boat on that. Yeah, yeah, and defining sin and oh yeah, and that's the whole thing. We're just like we're so sex focused as it is. Yeah, when it comes to Christians, we're so yeah, exactly. (laughs) We judge the uh, judge the sins we're least likely to commit the 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 harshest, and the sins we're most like. Big surprise, no one's talking about gluttony on Sunday morning. (laughs) It's because you got this huge potluck afterwards, and the pastor's two hundred pounds overweight, (laughs) which is fine, man. But like, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a big surprise you don't bring that up, but you bring up the gays all the time. Yeah, cause or divorce is one of the places I like to go, too. It's like, well, oh, yeah. would you remarry someone? Like, well, we, you know, we would never, I can't marry someone because I'm a pastor and the Bible says I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, it also says that <laughs> Jesus doesn't say anything about the gays. But, you know, and that's another one. Oh, it's ongoing. They're practicing an ongoing sin, don't yeah. you know? Like, they're not turning from it. Mm-hmm. They're not repenting from it. Okay, well, then you need to tell everyone in your church who's ever been married. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to shit on divorce people. I'm just being... Yeah. If you're going to be a literalist... You should be consistent. Yeah, if you're going to be a literalist, be fucking consistent. Yeah. And go to your church and tell all the divorced people that they need to divorce whoever they're with and go back to the person that they were... Because rich- that's where Jesus went. And I think mm-hmm. with Matthew 5... What he was doing there is just saying, here's the line. Mm-hmm. It's really fucking high, and you're all sinners. Knock it off. Yeah. Like, stop. He's telling the Pharisees, you're, stop, you know, fighting about this stuff, mm-hmm. because you're not going to, you know, you're all, you're all on the same playing field, which is, like, mm-hmm. even thinking about a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery, or saying, fuck you in traffic, like, you're, yeah. it's murder, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and getting divorced. And remarrying someone else, or being gay, mm-hmm. having a same-sex attraction, like all of these things, he's just saying, yeah, a lot of things aren't the way that it's crafted to look like. Mm-hmm. Get used to it and love one another. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's that passage, you know, he says over and over again, you've heard it said this, but now I tell you that. You've heard it said, don't murder. I'm telling yeah. you, if you're even angry with a guy, then that's you've already committed or murder in your heart. Like, I, I, I really gravitated towards that the last couple of years because the you've heard it said, which tells me I can hear something in the Bible and walk away with a conclusion different than what God intended. Yeah. That's exactly what he's saying to religious people like myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I have to admit my own bias and filter and um, propensity to get it wrong. Yeah. And if I'm going to authentically follow this Jesus, then I better get used to him changing my mind. Because yeah. that's, that's kind of what he does for everyone around him. It just continually changes the way they think. You used to think this way, now I'm asking you to think this way. Yeah. He's done that with me with the homeless. You used to think the homeless were bums and lazy and addicts. And they would only use your money for drugs and alcohol. Yeah. But now I tell you, you know, and he's opening yeah. up. Um, I don't see it that way anymore. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm embarrassed that I used to. I can't. And so that's, that's great. Let's celebrate that. My point is, I can't wait five years from now to the Kyle that used to think one thing. And now is embarrassed about that too. <laughs> right. Because I think that's spiritual growth. Yeah. Like I actually intend to grow. And if I'm going to grow, then the Kyle's talking to you right now will will think that the Kyle of the future, <laughs> the Kyle of the future is going to look back at this Kyle and be like, that guy didn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And not in like some like, um, like that spiritual growth is nothing more than just like this, um, um, continual upgrading of, of, uh, intelligence. I'm saying that I want it to expand my capacity to love. Right. I'm not, I don't want to get smarter for the sake of getting smarter. I want to love people better the next year than I did this year. Yeah. It's less intellectual and more of a heart thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, hey, closing this thing up, and it's a good place to land the plane. I think. Yeah. <laughs> How does Kyle want to be remembered? Uh, okay, well, I'll just, I mean, what I'm trying to work on this year is to be more gentle. Because I'm really quick-witted, you know? Yeah. And I think I've hurt people because I, I can I can wing one right back at you real quick. Yeah. So I'm trying to... So this year, I'd like to be remembered as someone that was a gentler, a gentle person. Like, I, I want to be that with my kiddos, my little goobers, when they spill a glass of milk and I want to be that way with these interns. Um, and I want to, I want to be kinder to myself. I want to be gentler and kinder with myself too. Yeah. I just, I, I like, I'll, uh, I'm such a communicator guy, right? So the, the, the shadow side of that is you just like, I'll totally relive this whole conversation on the way home today, you know, like, <laughs> Oh, I wish I would have said this differently. <laughs> right. and, but in yeah, that do, too, you, you end up potentially like being really not kind to yourself and not, yeah, gentle with yourself and I want to be that more yeah. and more it's just I've never been a, a very gentle person mm. and I want to become that more yeah. for my boys sake too like yeah. I just see how great they are I'm just too hard on them sometimes yeah that's good man Kyle thanks for doing this how uh so how can people get uh, in touch with you find out more about you what do you got going on in your life right now my brand how yeah, you what's your can, brand? How you follow my brand. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All just raging hypocrites. <laughs> you can That's follow right. me on kylecourt.com. K Y L E C O U R T. It's about relationship, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I also have an adjoining Facebook page and Twitter. Okay. Um, and so I, I write a decent amount. I'm working slowly on a book. It'll be the dissertation from the from the um, the doctorate. 
um, and it'll be about compassion, about a lot of the stuff we talked about today. Okay. So someday that will I'll try to publish that. Um, and then if you want to come serve at UGM, you just go to UGM Union Gospel Mission, so UGM.org, and volunteer. We have this really fun um, service thing called the Bridge that I really believe in. It uh, toes the line of the tension of what we were talking about, like dignifying the very people we're trying to serve and not turning them into charity cases yeah. um, or pity projects, but like really actually um, serving people with dignity. I think the bridge is attempting to do that. So you can sign up to volunteer with that uh, online. It's like the, the third Thursday of every month. We'll be out underneath the uh, I-5 bridge on the 18th this month. Right. And uh, it'd be cool if you join us. And of what food or we just do a things? ton of stuff. So we do dinner, uh, coffee, hot cocoa, shoes, clothes, um, sweatshirts, library. We have we have an art therapy table. We have haircuts. We have showers, mobile shower unit. And we're gonna, we're going to get medical te- medical teams internationals to bring their uh, mobile dental clinic. Oh, nice. So what happens because there's so many resources in one area and we have 30 volunteers and 200 of our um, friends that are experiencing homelessness all in one kind of area. Most of homeless experience, as you probably know, is it feels like an assembly line. You kind of just get your meal and then go back to your encampment. Uh-huh. There's not an actual real viable relationship happening there, but because of the amount of resources and the way we just put it together, it allows for people to sit down and have dinner together and, yeah. I had a great conversation with a guy just last month, and it just was great. And But in that, you uncover other needs potentially, but at least for many, they, they actually haven't had a conversation where their opinions mattered and they're listened to, and you look them in the eye, and it's yeah. a really dignified their name. times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, that's we're trying to, I think that's happening at the bridge. I'm really proud of it. Right. So That's something I heard uh, a guy who wrote it's a, a brand on the bridge. The bridge. <laughs> <laughs> the bridge. It has an Instagram. Yeah, but it's a good brand. <laughs> Doing some good work. We're addicted to. Uh, yeah, I heard a guy talking about that. Like he uh, wrote a book about being homeless for a year, just went out there, and he said the biggest thing, the poverty, like it's not so much. He says being hungry is one thing. Being like a phone pole standing there yep. on the corner, like you don't matter mm-hmm. when somebody. And that's something I try and remember too. Is I, I'll have a box of chocolate bars or I'll mm-hmm. buy granola bars at grocery outlet and I yeah. just hand them out because I'm driving all day. Mm-hmm. Someone has a sign I'm handing out what I can what I can. And and I'll I'll ask them if I don't my red light, I'll ask them their name, you know, and I'll uh, chat with them and if I see them again, I try and re- I was in sales for a long time. So yeah. I remember getting yeah, remember yeah. people's names. Totally. It's like, yeah, I was it's like hey, yeah, you know. Bob, how you doing, man? He's like, oh and it's funny how they light up. Mm-hmm. When you remember their name. Oh, it's so dignifying. Yeah, yeah. And there's something to that, just being... I remember I heard also on the radio something about, I think, what you're talking about with the bridge, where this woman was sitting, you know, talking with these women, having a relationship with them. Now, I'm, this is part of me interpreting what the reporter said, because the reporter just said um, that she... She found a need and filled it, kind of a thing. But I think that she found that need by talking with these women. And one of the things they they said was menstrual stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. we don't get menstrual stuff. Mm -hmm. And so you guys... We have those available as well. 
Yeah, you guys at Surf Seattle said, hey, we need to get some, you know, menstruals. And they put out a call, I think. Yeah. Like, oh, you saw that? Oh, cool. yeah, 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 yeah. Elizabeth on staff. Yeah. And, and she so, started the whole thing. Oh, yeah? Vajadis, they call it. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Vajadis. Seriously. What is it? What is that, then? Like vagina and ladies. Vajadis. Right, right. So to, to, it's like a pack of Yeah, it's like a cute little packet stuff. of menstrual stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that, because that's what they need. But that was found, that need was found, wouldn't have been found out by the assembly line, would yes. it? Yes. Absolutely. Because no one there's just, hey, get your soup, and we mm-hmm. see that on TV or whatever in movies, but that's you guys are doing something different. And I think, I mean, to put a, a, a cap on it, too, I, in that relationship, in that decision to make it not an assembly line, but an actual meaningful interaction, I also am able to receive from the person, too. And I'm reminded of, you know, Jesus says, when I was, when I was hungry, you fed me. Like, I, I, I have experienced... God in those who experience homelessness. Um, and, uh, and if I only see them as a charity, I never expect to receive. And I ultimately rob myself from the very thing probably God wants to do in the first place. Right. Like, and it's going back full circle to those who come in to bring Jesus to save the city. They oftentimes never are exposed to the idea that maybe Jesus just wanted to save you. Yeah. That you needed to be saved the most actually, in fact, yeah, because God was a lot more concerned about pride than He was about the gays. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. The whole and coming full right. circle to learning some things here myself about you. You know that story I told about uh, some of the the addicts that I I've been in contact with and having that attitude towards them. Of yeah, they are a charity case, Kyle. And I think if I think about some of the processing that I've done lately. Like, I go to that place. Mm. I feel like I was a piece of crap. Like, I'm still trying to heal from some of that language that's in my head. Like, you're just, you're not enough. You're a piece of shit. Mm. Look what you did. Look who you were. You know, I go through some of that stuff with my friends, too. I never finished high school. Mm-hmm. So not only have I not been to college, like I didn't even, I don't have a GED, any of that shit, mm-hmm. because I was on doing drugs and on the streets when I was a, a, a teenager. Wow! And when my friends were getting, you know, their acceptance letters to college and things like that, my peers, my friends were also doing drugs, and God knows where they are. <laughs> Some of my friends I've actually connected with, which are, which are cool. I might have them on the show. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm learning from you as we're having this conversation to my own bias towards looking at them as a charity case because some of that I'm I'm going to fuck, you know, who the hell am I to mm. say, yeah, you just want three hots and a cop, buddy, mm. or you're just doing this because you won't get off the dope because you're a piece of shit. And some of that just reflects back on me and that's some healing I still... I'm mm. doing myself. So, so you saying thank if, you for if, that. If you, if, are you saying if, if you feel like you don't <clears throat> have much to offer, that you'll tend to treat others like they don't have much to offer either, and then make the relationship one-sided so they become a charity case? You think that? I'm just... Yeah, or not, not so much that I have anything to offer, but how I judge them. Hmm. Just seeing you them feel and judged, judging them. Potentially. Yeah, by mm. myself. Wow, that's interesting. You know? And that's something I've also been reflecting on and also doing some some writing on and blogging about is this idea of shame and guilt and how it's moved into... A lot of Christians don't get help for their shit. No. A lot of Christians walk around with this lid on their bowl. Don't 
pull shit out of my bowl mm-hmm. <laughs> because I've got my Jesus lid, and they put the Jesus lid on there. I'm going to heaven. That's all I need. Yeah, it's all I need. Like don't and and then that shit starts to leak. Yep. And it I comes think out once one way or another. And I'm really sensitive to that and cognizant of that. And that's some of the stuff I'm growing through is taking that lid off that bowl and going. I don't where you know tomorrow is gonna go, but I know that I'm loved. Yeah. I know that there is beauty and truth out there. And I know that uh, learning from my own statement of they want three hots and a cot reflects back on me some. Yeah, yeah I hadn't uh, thought about that way before. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for listening to Punk Theology. Don't forget to subscribe, like to join us in having more ears hear this punk sound. Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio or wherever you may hear this fucking podcast. Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project, a limited liability corporation, who is responsible for its content. Don't chicken out! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. For more information on Seattle's Union Gospel Mission, uh, Google Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you, smartass uh, Captain Obvious, right? Seriously, though, it was an honor to have Kyle on, and I encourage you, especially if you're local, to uh, go ahead and check out the Facebook page for Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. We also have a link to their page on Punk Theology Pub. Uh, if you want to check that out, punktheology.com. Click on the Facebook uh, social media thing, and you can find more uh, about Serve Seattle and the Union Gospel Mission there. Bye.